I couldn't pass up the irony of using a slide template that was created for Pride Month. And I think the rainbow is a good place to start. So title, series, LGBT2 questioning. I'll give an outline in a second. According to the Bible, who are you? But God said, when I bring the clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds and the, the promises, the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. And maybe you remember it from the flannel graph, you know, the flannel graph, you have the rainbow up there. And what, what is the rainbow for? It reminds us that God has promised not to destroy the world by water again. And I've read the book of Revelation, there's, there's fire, but no water. But the, the rainbow, like it's a deeper reminder, you think of the whole story, that even as God sent the floodwaters on the earth to destroy, that ultimately that did not lead to things getting better. Because the next paragraph, we find people getting drunk and who knows what else. Creation goes back to sin. Because it's only in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ that people find salvation. Who did not come to condemn the world, but the world might be saved through him. And so when we see a rainbow, we want to see God's symbol. That salvation does not come in judgment, but through sacrifice, not through a, not through a flood, but through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And like I need to be reminded of this, which is why I remember, I, I start here, is that like we are in an ideological war and there are people who don't want to be, who don't want people to talk about what I'm talking about this week. But we need to remember the rainbow that God's plan to win is not by destroying his enemies, but by forgiving them. And we need to enter into this conversation with the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ and not the pride of this world, remembering that God's kindness, God's kindness is meant to lead all people into repentance, no matter what they identify as. So outline next four weeks, the whole month of June, uh, we are going to be talking about LGBTQ issues. The series title is questioning, the cue for questioning. And it's questioning in, in two ways. One is that we want to be sure about what God's word says. So we don't want to just rely on our history and assumptions, but we want to be sure what it says. And secondly, we want to be questioning not just what maybe the Bible might say, but all of the culture, baggage, ideas that we may have grown up with, may have developed over the years of different philosophies on what it means to live the good life. So we are going to question it all. We're going to hit all the issues, all, not all of the issues. I really want to do a sermon on sex robots, but it's not going to happen. 
It'll happen in the future. Number one, who are you? This is today. Second, what about the gays, which is going to be about what the Bible says about homosexuality. Third is what is a woman or what is a man, which is going to be a transgenderism. And the fourth, pronouns, pride, parenting in a brave new world. It's kind of a catch-all. If you have any questions about anything, it might change at that point. Now, the world has changed. I'm 42. 42. Do I seem old? When I took sex ed in eighth grade, like, it was about how babies are made and maybe a little bit about how not to have babies. Like, that was the content of the class. And now, like, identity and sexuality is, like, according to the language they use now, like, like baked into the school curriculum. How did everything change so fast? Now, to begin this series, I think we want to just state clearly where we're coming from, what we believe, because I believe that clarity is important in all manners. Jesus told us, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, male and female, and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. We are created male and female. Our sex is a theological and bi biological reality baked into every cell of our being. Who shall be one flesh, one man, and one woman? The Bible commands us to chastity in singleness and faithfulness in marriage between a biological man and a biological woman. Now, this week is framing issues of sexuality. And we're, we're not actually going to live stream any of the services. And, and one of the big reasons is, is like, we need to think about things with the right language. And often people out there think differently about some of the language we use, especially you talk about the language of sin. So I say homosexuality is a sin. And people think sin means that's what really bad people do. And so the hear is like, oh man, we think it was really bad. But, but no, like we know, we come here, we confess our sins every week. We know all of us to be sinners. Like that is not a separate category. But people in clips and phrases don't always hear those things as they are meant to be heard. Now, the philosophy of this world is never neutral. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy, an empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Now, philosophy is never neutral. And there are always Christians out there who are trying to make the Bible say whatever the worldly psychology, philosophy, or women's studies departments are trying to say at the current moment. Don't base your ideas of God on what's most comfortable. But the biggest reason that the LGBTQ plus movement has gained such overwhelming ascendancy in 20 years, I think, since gay marriage became legal in Canada, it'll be 20 years in July, is that they have told a story that makes sense to people. And, and it's partially like, it's one idea that's imported from Christianity. And this is, this is a Christian idea. There's a reason why the LGBTQ movement is mostly in 
Christian or post-Christian countries and not in other places. And that is the, the, the Christian idea that strength may be found in weakness and the strong are called to serve the weak. But it misses the point that only life in accordance with God's truth is truly the good life and not according to someone's individual conception of truth. Now, I want to go after the philosophy that makes LGBTQ make sense to people because not everyone here struggles with same-sex attraction, although I'm sure there are some. All of us are liable to thinking in worldly rather than Christ-honoring ways. And so let's dip in for a second into the secular mind and apply God's truth to it. Now, Christopher Yuan, I have a book of his it's in the library. There's a couple of resources there if you're interested. Uh, in his book, Holy Sexuality, tells the story of a friend of his from seminary, Andy. We love Andy. Andy was raised on the mission field. He was married to a beautiful, godly lady. But then one day, he came out of the closet, declared he was gay, left his wife, and he told his friend Christopher this. Why would God make me this way and then not allow me to be who I am? For years, I prayed for God to take this away and change me. Nothing happened and nothing will. I've been denying this for far too long. I never chose this. I just have to be honest and authentic and accept the truth that I'm gay. This is who I am. And I think this gets to the heart of the most important issue. This is who I am. If we're going to uphold biblical sexuality, which we are, we are forced by the philosophy of the day to be against who someone is. And that feels kind of cruel to be against who someone is. Now, this statement, the statement is based on a bunch of premises. And a lot of times people's premises, people's ideas that lie under what they say are important to see. And so we're going to look at three premises of this statement and identify where they go wrong and understand it according to the Bible. So the first premise has to do with authenticity. The second has to do with a misunderstanding of original sin. And the third, biblical ontology. Don't worry, you don't have to know those words. So, first point. True authenticity is only found in God. True authenticity is only found in God. So he says, Andy says, I just have to be honest and authentic and accept the truth that I'm gay. Now, the false premise in Andy's statement is that the authentic life is the one that follows someone's deepest desires inside of them, follows their heart, most especially their sexual desires. But actually, the authentic life is the one that lives according to God's desires. Now, what's the most important command? According to Jesus, 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. The good life according to the Bible, the chief end of man is to love God and enjoy him forever. Now, the world around us largely doesn't know this. And where we are in our culture is the fruit of rejecting God. Now, the, the madman from this story, from Nietzsche, it's 150 years old, the gay science explains our situation maybe better than others. The madman cries, Whither is God? He cried. I will tell you, we have killed him. And all you and I, all of us are his murderers. God is dead. God remains dead. And we have killed him. Now Nietzsche said this. He wrote this in a time when people still believed in some morality. It would be 155 years before Pride Month. But Nietzsche makes the point that if you get rid of God, what will stand in God's place? Will you? Now, I think one of the reasons we've seen just, just this explosion of depression and anxiety is that being a God is a wearisome task. How is a seven-year-old boy supposed to cope with the idea that he could become a woman? Defining one's own existence is liberating like skydiving, except skydiving in the most liberating sense, skydiving totally naked without a parachute. Now, it's liberating, but you spend all your life battling uphill against the current, and at the end, it's going to be just boom and done. Like that is life, making your own way, defining your own world with nothing solid to stand on. The thing is, if we take God out of the equation, we do not become supermen. Ubermensch in the German. Because our God-given longings remain. And we don't actually, like, like free to be, like, our authentic selves. We don't actually become, like, like individual, like I'm going to strike out a male. We actually become prey to every idolatry, idolatry out there. It's interesting, all of us desire something bigger than ourselves. And when someone comes out as gay, like they aren't doing it as an individual. Like, like to be gay is a culturally defined thing. It has culturally defined rhythms and messages. You declare your identity. It's a little bit like a baptism. You have a testimony. You join a group with a new set of rules. You know, you free yourself from God's rule and you're prey to every corporate influence, every vain philosophy, and every community which has something to offer but will separate you from God because our true purpose is always found to love the Lord your God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, there is pleasure for a moment in the far country, but only in God's house do we find home. Only through God's mirror can we look at ourselves and know who we are. True authenticity is only found in God. That was funny. Uh, my wife, she went to New York, and you go to New York, and so you walk through New York. Everyone walk through New York. So you go by, on by Times Square, and what are there? People will meet you on the street. They are selling... Gucci handbags, Gucci handbags, Gucci handbags. Yeah, 
But everyone else, like they're not real Gucci handbags, but they're, they're selling fakes. Now, if you want a real Gucci bag, you want to know the reality, you have to go to the maker. In the same way, we want to know who we really are. We need to go to the maker. True authenticity is only found in God. I just have to be honest and authentic, authentic and accept the truth that I'm gay. Now, what do I say to this friend? And what is authenticity? Is it self-defined? Like, is it self-defined? Or am I just parroting what someone else says? No, to be authentic is to live according to your maker's instructions. Not according to how you just want to live. Now, now uh, when I was, we were about 20 and we, we got this farm truck. And it's funny, it's this red farm truck. We all just got in it and we just drove it. And we, we never thought about it very much. You know, the kilometers are ticking up. Pretty soon it's had like 100,000 kilometers. And all of a sudden, this truck just like stops. It won't start. And we take it to the mechanic. And he comes and he's like, asking you like, how often have you changed the oil in this truck? Now, as far as we can figure, it had been changed twice in 100,000 kilometers. And that's a bad idea. Now, for a long time, we drove, and it seemed just fine. And this is like our lives without God. Like, we can drive just fine for quite a while, but if we don't follow the Maker's instructions, it's going to catch up to us one day. Want to live the authentic life? Live the life as God defines, not deep down. Because deep down, there is things not to be trusted. Point two. Born this way but not made this way. So why would God make me, make me this way and then not allow me to be who I am? The words of a seminary student. And it's so funny, like I, I even talk to Christians about same-sex desires and, and there seems to be a very large ignorance of original sin. We may be born a certain way, but we're not made a certain way. Now, this is, this is a message like, like born this way. It's, it's all over. Literally the song, I'm beautiful in my way because God makes no mistakes. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. Very interesting. Like Lady Gaga, like, you know, not a lot of theological content, but you get to this issue and all of a sudden, like, God makes no mistakes. He wants to think about God there. Despite being said like a billion times, there's really no like solid evidence that we're genetically programmed for same-sex attraction. Like even the American Psychiatric Association says, some people believe that sexual orientation is innate and fixed. However, sexual orientation develops across a person's lifetime. Okay, now with that being said, and it's important caveat to maintain because people like just say things that aren't true in this point all the time is that the fact that someone might be born with a tendency to do something sinful could never make it right in a christian worldview because all over the bible we know that god created man upright but we have sought out a variety of schemes that we have fallen into sin in such a way that it's not just like we don't just occasionally do something wrong from birth. Like we are bent in such a way to be sinners. So tempting to deny the doctrine of original sin. 
Now, like all of the thinking, you think like the world just seems weird, but it's all broader, Carl Truman says, broader underlying social and cultural conditions made both gay marriage and then transgender ideologies, two more weeks, we have to talk about that, first plausible and then normative, and that these conditions have been developing over hundreds of years. Now, one of the big conditions is the rejection of our sin natures, rejection of original sin. This goes back to, to philosophers. You can think of it like uh, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, French philosopher, 18th century. And in him, like people are good, like we're, we're good, and it's only society that ruins us. If we were just a man living out in the forest, we would just be good people. It would just be so good if we didn't have all, the, all that societal influence. Now, it's like any teachers, it's like, like, like that six-year-old coming to school who hasn't had any discipline from their parents, not a lot of outside influence. Oh yeah, they're a good kid. Not likely. Spend any time with a four-year-old who wants someone else's toy or read the Bible. They were created by God good, but fallen since Adam into sin so that our natures are bent. Despite this crazy idea, people assume that their deepest desires are good, despite the Bible's clear evidence over. Andy said, I have to be honest and authentic and accept the truth that I am gay. This is who I am. And what he means is that by nature, he is the right thing. He believes his nature is uncorrupted, at least in this way. You see this all over the world. The child is not disobedient, but misunderstood. The child is expressing their need for power instead of slugging the kid because he doesn't give them what they want. That one always is like, that's hilarious, the expressing their need for power. Uh, what does the Bible say about our natural state? You don't have to go far, but this passage will do. You could go to like 50 passages. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power that is in of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. We were not made this way. God created man good, but we are fallen since Adam. And this is how we were born. We were born dead. Following our natural desires, the ones we born with, from our idolatry to care about ourselves more than anyone else, to even our sexual desires, they're natural, but not good. Following the course of this world, this is our natural state. Following our desire for power, sex, and money, going along with the world around us. Following the prince of the power of the air. Ultimately, following Satan. It's like not only are we born with sinful desires, but there's an enemy inflaming those desires into a flame of inferno. And so when someone comes to us and said, like, they were born this way, we shouldn't be surprised because we're all born in sin with desires and impulses. You know, occasionally I've met a man who's had, like, sexual desires for more women than just his wife. Like, shocking. Like, like inborn desires. They're bad. Now, it's exactly these impulses the Spirit of God has made to overtake 
Oh, these desires can seem overwhelming, especially today where the flesh, the world, and the devil are all encouraging you to do the wrong thing. And it, and it still, it, it gets to our attitudes sometimes. And I see that following the prince of the power of the air. And I said, like, we were in an ideological war. There's many people out there that are victims of the sexual revolution, not fermenters of it. And, and we need to have compassion and understanding. Compassion to see people like being under the enslavement of Satan is not people that we should hate, but people that we should have pity on and be willing to listen to and hold a, a hand out to. He goes on, among whom we all once lived and all is important there. But this gets to what Christians think about sin. We don't think about sinners out there. We think about that we are all born sinners, only saved by the grace of God. In the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind. And we're like nature, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. And the of the mind there is important too, because sometimes we think like, oh, we can separate. Like, oh, these are my bad desires. I'm born with these are our good desires. But if our minds are corrupted we don't can't trust them entirely if we can't trust entirely like what are we going to do except be led by the word of god to know what is right or wrong because left to our own devices we will think wrongly now this lie that we are born good and the truth is found in meeting our inborn desires isn't just like an LGBTQ issue. Like this is all of us. Every time we excuse our rudeness because we're like, this is just who I am. Like, no, it may be who you are, but it's not who you're called to be in Christ. Just because something is easy and feels natural does not mean it's right. Every time we excuse our, our lust, even opposite sex lust, like that's a big sin too. There's probably more opposite sex sexual sin in the world than same-sex sexual sin by a very large margin. We need God to guide us by repentance to live what is right. We are fallen. We have passions of the flesh, desires of the body, the influence of Satan. All of these feel so natural. But all of us are called to the same thing, to live according to how you were made, not how you were born. Do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. It needs to be renewed so you may discern the will of God. It's not easy, but we need to be renewed to do it. Jesus said, if anyone come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Does this sound like, you know, come follow me and fulfill the desires of your heart? It's like, no. Lose yourself. My favorite quote from the philosopher Eminem. Lose yourself and find your fulfillment in Christ. Born this way, not made this way. Why would God make me this way and then not allow me to be who I am? The truth is we are all born this way as sinners. But we are not made this way. Humans are not made for sin and vice. We are created good but fallen. So how could I answer him? How would God made this way? Again, the premise is wrong. God tells us he didn't make you like this. Sin did. Sin in your flesh, the influence of the world, and the devil. And this is central to Christian faith, that we all need salvation in Jesus Christ. There is nothing good in us. 
Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, See this alone I found, that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. We are born this way, but we were made for so much more. We are born to be who God says we are, not just according to the world or our desires. Point three, I am who God says I am. I'm gay, this is who I am. I'm gay, this is who I am, is kind of the crux of what we face. Have you talk about same-sex, sinful same-sexual desires being, being sinful when they're so closely linked to someone's personhood? And, and, and the premise here is that his sexual attraction defines who he is. It's his essence. It cannot be separated. And that's something we have to reject. We cannot equate what people do with who they are. You can imagine, you can imagine this story. So a young person, they, they went off to college and uh, Winnipeg, University of Winnipeg, and they, and they, they come back home and they like, they sit down with their parents. It's like, like parents, I, I got something really important to talk to you about. And, and the parents sit down and, and, and they're just like, you know, you know, mom and dad, you, you raised me a certain way. And I know that like, this is, this is what we believed in, but I, I went to school, I started, I, in, in Winnipeg, I started learning all of these new things. I was excited about these new things. And I, I just have to tell you, I am a Blue Bombers fan. <laughs> now, I mean, you could do it as like, I, I'm an architect or like I decided to change my major or something. And it's like almost nothing that people like decide to do. Like we, we don't think of like Blue Bombers fans as other kinds of human beings mostly. <laughs> like, 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 like we don't think about people who, who, who do different work as this. But, but sexuality becomes this all-encompassing thing that we, that we think primarily about people according to sexuality. And this is a trap. Well, we need Admiral Akbar here. Like, this is a trap that we can fall into, especially like we get those four weeks. When we think about humanity primarily in sexual categories instead of God's categories. God doesn't look at the world dividing them up lesbian, straight, pansexual. Like, God doesn't divide the world up like that. God divides the world up into, there are sinners opposed to God, among whom all of us were, or perhaps still are, and there are those being restored to their creator. We must resist the urge to chop up humanity into gay, straight, male, female, black, white. What does God say? God created man in his own image. He created them in the image of God. He created him. Male and female, he created them. Now sex, male and female, are baked into pre-fall humanity. But all are in the image of God. And so I can't look down my street and think like, oh, 
like those are my lesbian neighbors. If I think those are my, if, if I think Sally and Joe, I think lesbian first, that's the first thing I think. Like I've fallen into the same trap of thinking this is the most important part of your identity. Like I can't do that. I mean, think first of all, created in the image of God, needing to be restored to their savior. We need to stop looking at the world through worldly categories. Like this is what the LGBT community, your sexuality is the most important thing. And if we treat it as the most important thing, like we are falling into a trap. We need to stop letting Freud define who we are. You know, Sigmund Freud, the kind of creepy father of psychoanalysis, who believed that our sexual desires were key to understanding who we are. And there's this kind of lie that, that gets, gets paraded around that our, if we resist our sexual desires, we are going to become dysfunctional in some way. And you get this all over. You get this in like the, the Green Day song, Basket Case. I went to the shrink to, don't listen to this kids, to analyze my dreams. She said, it's lack of sex that's bringing me down. Like, 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 like that's, it's like, don't have sex and then you're not gonna be fully human. Like Jesus was pretty fully human. And maybe you're watching a show on TV. You ever do this, watch network TV? Don't, again. But you're watching this show and all of a sudden like, oh, there's like a Christian there who believes the Bible. And I'm like looking like, oh man, that's great. By the way, I'm never thinking that's great because I know it's coming. Because you find a Christian who believes the Bible, living morally upright, suit and tie. Like, you know, like 100% of the time, like he's a closeted gay serial killer. Like 100% of the time. Like always the christian like you pick about like, oh yeah yeah that's the closet gay serial killer i already know i've seen this one before that's the belief is if you do not give in to your impulses you're going to go crazy and there's no bigger lie like okay there's a lot of big lies it's a big lie and any like 30 second Google search, like people with more self-control who can resist doing what they feel like doing at any moment are happier, wealthier, better off category, self-control. And this is in the Bible. I keep discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest therefore, after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Don't listen to your body, discipline your body. According to God's word, we are who God says we are. The world wants to define you by your attractions, your skin color, or even increasingly like your mental health diagnosis. You see this starting like, like people define themselves, oh, I'm ADHD. <laughs> like uh, Taylor Swift in her song, Antihero. This is a record for like song lyric drops. She speaks about her depression, her covert narcissism. And, 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 and it's this thing of people defining themselves by their problems. Of course, the song Hat Tip to Taylor, the chorus is really good. It's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. Which everyone needs to do a little bit more. Spend less time staring in the sun and more in the mirror. If we have killed God, there's no one to define who we are. If all we have is us, what are we defined by? 
Well, we're defined by what's inside of us. And so it's actually not surprising if people are defining themselves by their anxiety, their depression, their desire. I'm OCD. I have ADHD. We're defining our, our personality test. Oh, like you're saying that because you're just such a seven. And along with that, I'm gay, pansexual, transgender. And we have allowed psychologists and makers of, of Harry Potter quiz, house quizzes to define our identity. But in Christ, like we have so much better to offer the world, the truth about who we are and the truth about what we can be. Because, you know, we are fallen among whom we lived, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And it might seem like bad news that people are fallen into sin, desiring things that they want. And it seems like bad news, but that's not bad news. Because if we are defined by God, we may be fallen, but we can be restored. But we can be more than what we are just by nature. You can be more than your depression. You can be more than your anxiety. You can be more than your sexual longings. Because by nature, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, and two of the most important words in literary history, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. The world only gives hope to manage depression and anxiety, but we can offer so much more. Now, saying, you know, confess Christ, your depression will be gone. But day by day, you can walk towards the light of Christ, relying on his power, and we believe that even this life does not free you from this. We have like eternity to be free. Or even sexually, I have four books by former gays or lesbians. They're all in the church library. They're over there on the shelf. You can take them out. Don't take them for too long. They're probably going to be high demand. Two of them developed attractions for the opposite sex after coming to Christ. Two didn't. Two live as single people today happy in Christ, two live married, happy in Christ, both of whom I think are good, all of whom are good stories. Now, as we look around the world, everyone wants to define people by their sexuality, but our sexuality is not even so core to our humanity that it lasts for just a moment. For Christ says in the resurrection, they'll neither marry nor given in marriage, they're like angels in heaven. And right now there are people struggling against sexual, sexual urges that are opposed to God's plan, chastity and signalness, faithfulness in marriage. But there's hope. And even if you feel like you can just crawl to Jesus Christ, there is hope. And one day we will be set free from every sin that besets us. And that's the promise of Jesus Christ. And that promise is forever, not just for these 70 years that we have to fight the battle. I am who God says I am. He says, I'm gay, this is who I am. The premise is his sexual attraction defines his essence and his person in an inseparable way. We must reject this and say, God defines your image. 
Friends, you're created in the image of God. And that image is never taken away by anything we do. Yes, we're fallen, but this means that we can get back up. We can be more than what we are right now. Our depression, ADHD, or bed partner, we're created in the image of God. And despite the lingering effects of sin, we can be restored as sons or daughters of the Father. Your essence is not gay. Your essence is that you are created in God's image and I will love you as such, friend. And you can follow God's plan. I can't promise a release from your attractions, but I can point you to the path that Jesus promoted, the narrow path which leads to life. For broad is the rainbow road to destruction. Three resolutions from the sermon. True authenticity is found in God. So I will live according to God's word, not how I feel at the moment. Even if I feel to be rude or that's deep inside of me, I will live by God's word instead of my attractions or my desires. Secondly, we we may be born this way, but we're not made this way. So I'll live according to God's word, not my sinful inclinations from my self-centered pride to my sexuality. And third, we will not think of gay people as another kind of person. It's not the homo sapiens and homosexuals. It is all people created in God's image. The world wants to define us in categories of Freud, the DSM-4, or our skin color, or gender identity, but we can't. We need to know every person is created in the image of God to be loved and to be offered the hope of salvation, but God being rich in mercy. Let's pray.